Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. Hello and welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Daniel A. Franz, Dr. Dan, much more simply, with my good friend and colleague at the Meaning Academy, Dr. Baruch B. Halevi. B, how you doing, my brother? I'm good. Friday, as we're recording this, heading into a weekend off to California next week on a family vacation. So looking, looking the road ahead. Very nice. Where are you going in Cali with the fam? It's not so much where we're going in Cali. It's getting to Cali. We're doing road trips, so we're stopping uh, along the way. Going to have some, you know, fun little outings and cool places. And then uh, my wife is born and bred in Los Angeles. It's where where we met back in the day when I was living there. And so go back and visit some of her family. You know, it's we have a topic coming into this, but I was actually thinking about what you were just mentioning uh, earlier this morning before we recorded. You know, we are coming into a, a time for most people, a downtime, right? Um, you know, in the U.S., whether you're pagan or Christian or even some Jews celebrate Christmas. Uh, and then afterwards, you know, coming into Christmas, it's the hustle and bustle of this week leading up to the 25th, right? Pretty busy. Everybody's talking about getting stuff done and cleaning the house and preparing food. And then we have the holiday and, you know, I think it's pretty much there's, there's been a, a lot of uh, social media jokes in the past few years. So that week between Christmas and new year's is just a dead week. Um, and especially if you have children in school or if you were or are married to a teacher or friends or teachers, right. It's, it's almost like a two week, three week national holiday where they all stop working but some of us continue to. And I was wondering, I was going to ask you, what do you do during that time? What's your downtime? And it sounds like you're going to be doing some traveling. I mean, definitely. My downtime, though, is usually filled with uh, you know, some combination of contempt- contemplation. It can be mm-hmm. meditation. It can be um, you know, going on a hike. It can be journaling. But I always try and feel something with that you know, restorative process. And then the other piece of it is the flip side. I guess I'm, as I'm describing it, it's really Frankel 101. I, that's how I sort of um, receive and fill up and then how I contribute what I create, you know, off my beaten path, my book that I'm working on and mm-hmm. other creative endeavors to me is a, is a way I fill up. I know some dudes like golf, not me. I'm a little too cold for that right now. But I mean, it's interesting. I was I was literally coming into today's recording thinking, you know, I just need to ask B how he does downtime because I'm sitting here looking at the next couple of weeks at the end of the year, um, working on creative projects. Uh, my my schedule is actually, you know, other than a few days that I designated to take off uh, with the fam, like I'm going into the office and seeing people because a lot of people need to be seen during this time of year. And uh, there isn't a lot of downtime other than, you know, that restorative very logotherapeutic, you know, creativity, going to get some experiences in. And I was just kind of comparing that maybe to what other people do of spending a week on the couch or in front of the TV or, and maybe, maybe those people only exist in my mind. I don't know. 
it's interesting. You and I definitely share that uh, eight hole um, restorative, active, creative downtime. Yeah, I mean, downtime for me even kind of strikes me as like not in alignment with at least the way I react. I don't know if it's how I should respond, but mm -hmm. right, it's a lot of human doing. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess it really depends on the type of doing. I was just writing about this this morning because I'm writing my book and I was reflecting on childhood doing versus adult doing. And childhood doing, I think of our summer days, you know, growing up, especially back when you and I were growing up, just disappear for the day. Like yeah. my mom didn't know where I was. She didn't know what I was doing. And I was doing a lot of shit. Sorry. <laughs> but I came home at night and I didn't like, you know, need her to pour me a drink after a rough day of a lot of doing because it was restorative doing. And I guess that my point is, is, you know, all doing is not created equal. And there's conscious or restorative or response able doing, and then there's another type of doing. And I feel like that's kind of a segue into our into our talk today. Okay. Tell me, tell me how you see that being connected because I'm I'm missing that. But we we came in today, we wanted to talk about tradition, changing traditions, because the holidays definitely remind us of our of our traditions of childhood and how they have changed, you know, today and also uh, as adults and adults with children. Things certainly change as our children get older and we have to embrace uh, those changing traditions. How do you see restorative downtime relating to traditions? Make that connection. So I used to be an observant Jew and Shabbat the Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night was like sacred time. I, I'm not anymore. However, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let me jump in there. You, you don't celebrate. I've been wondering for months now why I can't get a hold of you from Friday to Saturday. Well, let me tell are you. you let me, let are me you just you. avoiding me? Have you no, canceled let me? Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me qualify this because I got tired of the traditions. It felt a bit oppressive to me um, because it just started to become a lot more doing, a lot more have tos. So now mm -hmm. I wasn't doing my weekday doing, I was doing my Sabbath doing. And there's a hell of a lot of doing on the Sabbath. It's not just sitting. Right. You, you go to the synagogue two, three times over the course of 24 hours and you have people over and you go through the rituals. It's all beautiful. It's great. Mm -hmm. But anything can become a, an unconscious doing and an unconscious doing is not a logotherapeutic, meaningful kind of doing. Right. It's a doing for doing sake. It's a human doing. And I just Ariella felt the same way. It's like we were, we're just human doings now in holier terms. And what we said was, we're going to retain the conscious Victor Frankl creative doing on our terms. And if it makes sense, and if it allows us to feel like we're human beings and not human beings, then we're going to do that. But if we're doing something and it doesn't give us that on the, on the, our Sabbath, on our Saturday, and by the way, now it can be Tuesday afternoon. I mean, it's not bound to a day of the week. We take those principles, those rituals, those ideas, and we infuse them into our life in modern ways. Example, um, Friday night, well, we use technology. Uh, my son doesn't. He's observant. But um, the rest of us use technology on the Sabbath. A lot of religious Jews won't use it. So we have Friday night dinner almost every Friday night. And it's a, it's a cell phone free zone. That's a principle that we've taken from the Sabbath concept, and we only use it for about two hours while we're sitting at the table. We actually do this now on Tuesday nights and on Thursday nights. So we have this Sabbath consciousness on our terms, an old tradition, a new context. Beautiful. 
I, I love that idea. First of all, just the, the pure behavior of putting phones away and, and engaging with our family and those around us is, is one more of us need to observe on a regular basis. So I like the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday rotation you have. Now, does that mean other, other meals throughout the week, everybody's on their phone, TikToking away? I mean, I'd be a hypocrite or a liar if I said I wasn't standing at the counter slamming down some dinner <laughs> between uh, gigs on a Monday night or on a Wednesday. You know, yeah. we have a couple nights during the week that are Sabbath consciousness, meaning consciousness. And then we have a few that are just driving here and there and ball practice, et cetera. Yep. Yep. I, I get that. Um, it's it's ironic. We, we talk about this in my house often. Both Both my wife and I come from families that, you know, Every night we gathered around the dinner table um, and had dinner. Now, often that meant dad pulling up the TV on his giant cart to watch the news and, and shush everybody, shh, got to watch the news. And we're like, why? We're supposed to be talking. But it was still the idea that we gathered around the table. And now in our times today, um, it's, it's, a, it's a rarity, but a beautiful rarity that, the, that we do that because, you know, I'm, I'm working late. And when, when the kids were at home, you know, like you said, they had to be transported from place to place or had practice or had work. Um, so it really is a, a beautiful tradition now when we do have time to gather. And I think it's important to name it, to start talking about it as traditions, as mm -hmm. grounded in something bigger than ourselves. I had this conversation with a guy in my men's group, and I'll bring that up as well later. But um, he said, you know, I don't, I, he didn't need to call it a tradition or to ground it in something ancient or eternal. And I said, I think you're missing an opportunity. I don't think you have to. I think it's a get to. And what that does for me is if I can take the word Shabbat, Sabbath, comes from the word Leshevit, which means to sit, to take, you know, it's, it's Frankel's, can I stop living in reaction and can I choose my response? And if I can't sit with my family and be present, however the rituals you want to describe around that and all the details and all the doings that are, that requires... That's up to you. But if you can't have that kind of consciousness periodically, I'm not going to say it has to be once a week or five times a week. That's up for you to decide. But if you can't name it as such and you can't ground it into something bigger, then I just think it loses some of the power, right? There's, there's a saying in um, Judaism that more than the Jews have kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath has kept the Jews. Mm -hmm. sure. And I think the same is true with this, this, this Frankel meaning responsibility consciousness more than i'm being responsible conscious you know keeping that it's keeping me absolutely and i think when we engage in those traditions it, um you know we can go back into ancient history or just our own family history and it connects us with those that came before us it connects us with the past time right because whenever i get together with my family here in, in our house i'm reminded of those good times uh, growing up as a child, right? Uh, that's, you know, where we were able to gather, maybe the news wasn't on or it was a commercial and we were allowed to speak. Um, you know, those, those were good times. I think, did we record the idea of, uh, of, uh, you know, leaving the house in, in, uh, when we were kids and going out and playing and what that was like, um, and how different it is now today, right? Being able to leave the house to the point though, traditions. I want to pull up what Dr. Frankel tells us about traditions. I was doing a little bit of research coming into today and he makes a sad kind of a sad statement about traditions now and as we come into the holidays maybe we need to consider how we're going to either bring back tradition engage in tradition that which connects us to those that came before us or how we have to come up with new traditions as maybe 
connections change. So here's here's his thought on traditions from man's search for meaning. Um, at the beginning of human history, man lost some of the basic animal instincts in which an animal's behavior is embedded and by which it is secured, right? So we lost those instincts. We changed. We gained consciousness. Such security like paradise is closed to man forever. Man has to make choices, as you were saying, B. In addition to this, however, man has suffered another loss in his more recent development inasmuch as the traditions which buttressed his behavior are now rapidly diminishing. No instinct tells him what he has to do and no tradition tells him what he ought to do. Sometimes he does not even know what he wishes to do. Instead, he either wishes to do what other people do, that's called conformism, or he does what other people tell him to do, totalitarianism. Are we losing traditions more and more? And is that disconnecting us? Is it leading us into an existential vacuum? Well, I don't think you can lose traditions because traditions are being created. I have a new tradition, which is if I'm not careful, I wake up and look at my texts. Now, that's a tradition I don't want to perpetuate. So it's it's what what traditions? I mean, you know, you've had and I've had a lot of bad traditions that I've consciously let go of. So I think it's true that we need to be conscious about the traditions that we choose and that we perpetuate. And I do think we've lost some good traditions for mm -hmm. sure. And I think we've replaced them with some not so good traditions for sure. So to me, that's an important kind of distinction in what he's saying. Yeah, and I think also what you were saying earlier, being conscious and mindful and and response able to what traditions we want to engage in, right? Like that idea. Now, B, you gotta you gotta tell me this. Why don't you want to wake up and check your text right away? Why not wake up with your phone in your hand, igniting your brain and waking you up? Isn't that what everybody does? I think actually it is. Um, <laughs> and I think, um, I think there's an air, I know there's an arrogance all, you know, since the time of Adam, this is not like new. I don't love picking on modern people because if we're any different, um, because Adam in the garden of Eden got himself into some trouble. He was a workaholic and he forgot to tend to his wife. And if you don't tend to your wife, snakes enter the garden and you lose the garden. So mm -hmm. he just got caught up in his own traditions, maybe a little more simplistic, but we do too. So, but I just want to say, um, you know, we're so arrogant because we think we don't need traditions. Mm -hmm. we, human beings will create traditions out of nothing. I'll, I'll create traditions out of the way I first put in my contact lenses. And then I always have to do my right one. And then my left one, because my right one's a different uh, prescription than my left. And then I go to the toothpaste. And then if I don't put the toothpaste cap on, blah, 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 all these different things. And I don't think I'm, I don't need traditions. I'm creating them. I'm I'm literally in this repetition all day, every day. And my thinking is that way. So you ask, is it bad? And I know you're saying it kind of facetiously, but one of the problems with checking your text is what they say, wire uh, neurons that um, fire together, wire together, right? And now I'm just sort of in this groove of unconscious, I would argue, negative traditions. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I like your your little your cute little statement there. Well, how's that go? Neurons that fire together, wire together. I, I don't recall that in any of my textbooks, but it's I Steven, do like I think it. It's Stephen Pinker. I think so. <laughs> I think you just made that up, but I like it. Um, and uh, that's true. When we repeat a behavior, um, we are actually growing new neurons that 
make it easier to repeat that behavior and more difficult to, to, you know, to, to stop. And so we have to be conscious of those behavior patterns, but then also conscious of the traditions we are engaging in, right? So you're talking about the traditions, the patterns of, of daily life, but then there's also the patterns and traditions of, of, well, holiday life, of December life, of January, of a new year and things like that. What are the traditions we want to engage in during this season? One that we just talked about a little bit ago, restorative downtime. That week for you is a week off, or if you take time, make sure you're using it in a response-able way. Spending time with family, meditating, uh, going for a hike, doing some family trips, right? Planning for the new year. It's, it's kind of funny. Uh, and I think she might be listening to this. I had a, a former guest from my podcast um, email me a few weeks ago. She said, Dan, I've got this, this great person you need to meet and, uh, you know, probably be on their podcast and, and trade podcast. So I did. And that was Shiraz Sadiq. And I've talked about his book uh, over here. Well done. Um, it was great. Had a great time. It took time, though. And so she emailed me just yesterday. She said, Dan. I've got three more people you really need to meet and interview. And they were great people. And I said, Dr. Chris, I, oh, you know, right now at this time of the year, I'm not sure where I'm going. Uh, I know, you know, and she even admitted, she said, I know you're working on that big meeting Academy project. And I said, that's full swing. I've got another side project and I've got my clinical hours. You know, the people that rely on me to show up every week, I said, you need to give me a couple weeks. I need to figure out, I need to do some discernment and figure out where I'm going. Do I want to spend, you know, it may be an hour of recording to, uh, to, to meet and interview these people, but there are several hours, pre-production, pre-meetings after and all that. I'm like, I'm not sure that's the way it's going. And honestly, Dr. Chris, I think, I think my good buddy B might be a little jealous. I am. I'm uh, very just <laughs> uncomfortable just hearing about it. I see that look on your face like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have other friends and guests on the podcast? You got to be kidding me. And quite honestly, Running Man would be so annoyed if I had any other voice but yours with me. So, um, I will pretend like there's no snake in our garden tearing this thing <laughs> apart. Um, so, yes. But I think what I hear in that... Um, Dan, is you're picking up on a tradition that we've all sort of, at least in America, have inherited, which is a New Year's resolution, which is, you know, the the, fun, the kind of the, the formal tradition is I'm going to set some goals. But the deeper aspect of that is I'm going to do self-reflection. Yeah, I'm going to take a accounting of the past year and I'm going to envision the coming year. And to me, that's an an old tradition. I don't know if it's ancient, but it's old. And if we don't really challenge it as I'm not going to just write down, I need to lose 10 pounds and be nicer mm -hmm. to my kids, right? And I really get into it, which is what I hear you doing. That's revitalizing a tra somewhat meaningless tradition. Meaningless tradition or meaningful tradition? Meaningless if it's just, I need to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to join oh, right, a gym. Right, right. And then I don't show up after February 14th. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we take a meaningless tradition of setting pointless, uh, uh, I always forget the word, resolutions, and, and we make it meaningful by actually engaging in some some discernment, some thinking, some planning. What will the new year uh, look like? I've been joking a lot in the past week with my clients, you know, hey, we're not going to talk about new year, new me, because that's just garbage. <laughs> yeah, makes you laugh too. And, and you know, I just threw up a little in the back of my throat. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? But, but that's, that's what the marketing and, and consumerism tells us, right? <laughs> I, I hypothesize, I have no proof of this, right? But I will put it out there and, you know, if I say it, it's true. Um, gyms 
make their entire year's cash from January 1 to January 15th. In those two weeks, they make all the money they're going to earn in the year because then everybody drops off and nobody joins a gym again until January 1 of next year. Now, I'm sure that's not true, but they know, right? Big marketing campaigns for gyms right now. New, you know, new year, new you, let's get to the gym. It's like, how about we, we make more sustainable lifestyle, life changes, more responsible changes to our traditions coming into the new year. So I'm not going to beat up on new year's resolutions. I, I usually save that for January one anyway. Yeah. We have, we need another podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, let's kind of keep going down this path of revitalizing, repurposing, re something, um, old traditions. If I were to put you on the spot and said, give me an example of that from your Christian lens, mm -hmm. something Christmassy, that you and your family, or at least conceptually, you've thought about how can we bring Christmas to life in a meaningful way for, you know, for us Jews who have written your songs, by the way, you're welcome. <laughs> wow. You just got to take ownership, man. Jingle bells, white Christmas, winter wonderland. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really kind of ridiculous. So you're welcome. You're, I know. You're welcome. Like you said last week, B, you guys want Christmas yeah. so much. You just jumped in and started writing songs for us. <laughs> so you're Come welcome. Come over and celebrate. Come bar on the tree, open some presents. I'm happy just giving you the gift of Christmas carols. Although I, I benefit from those gifts, those, that gift, cause I love them. Um, but, and, and, and the Hanukkah song, you're welcome for that. That's, mm -hmm. that's just good for everybody. Well, thank you for Adam Sandler in, in general, right? We appreciate him. <laughs> um, I have some players I'd like to trade out though, so we can talk about that. <laughs> Me awesome. too. Um, so, so give us a revitalized Christmas tradition. Revitalized Christmas tradition. I think uh, for us, it's the importance of time with family, whoever that might be. Um, I actually... Uh, pulled one out last week. So as a child, um, my Aunt Linda and Uncle Jim, we would go there every Christmas. They had the house. Everybody would get to all the aunts and uncles, all the cousins, grandma. And we would just have a great big Christmas party. There was gifts and food and dinner. I haven't seen them in years. And I just happened to be in that neck of the woods about two hours away last weekend. And I called them up. I said, hey, I know it's not Christmas, but I need to stop by and just get a hug and hang out for a minute. And I did. We hung out for a couple hours and had a wonderful time. And uh, my, my cousin came over, who I haven't seen in even a longer time. Just remembering, you know, that was a tradition that's been gone, well, since my grandma's gone, right? Long time. And as, as families grow and, and new matriarchs and patriarchs come in, um, we, we, we change those traditions, right? My cousins are all gone and, you know, grown up and have their own kids and their own grandkids. And, uh, you know, so it's different. So I think choosing the family, you know, reliving the family that we want to, we spent time with and trying to find a way to see them. And then I know you want to jump in, but let me add no, one more. No. As our kids grow up and, and move on and move out as well, um, you know, it used to be I just a couple of years ago, these two weeks coming up, they would be home and I could do stuff with them. We would just have the leisure of like any day, hey, Tuesday, let's go do something. And now that they're gone. Um, especially my oldest. And she's like, dad, I can only be in from this time to this time these days. I'm like, okay, I really need to be intentional and responsible with what we're going to do then because I have a limited time with you. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say is, um, you know, in the olden days, if you will, it just was so much logistically easier, mm. right? And so now, I mean, for a thousand reasons we've been talking about and more, 
and it's just not it's complex so i think it's that sabbath on tuesday kind of an idea mm-hmm. right like it and it's it's a fine line because if you start fudging with traditions so much that they're unrecognizable is it really still the tradition but if you are so rigid to what was that you can't reproduce it mm-hmm. how meaningful is it or how long can it last so you know we're really in this kind of predicament i think in this day and age of having to find that middle ground of flexibility without sort of losing the essence. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Flexibility with something that has stood over time, uh, family history or cultural history, right? So something that's had a long lasting history, but we need to be flexible enough to change it. That requires some vulnerability, some openness, some some different kind of thinking rather than, well, it has to be this way all the time. Uh, interesting idea on that. So. We have gathered at my in-laws every Christmas day for probably at least a decade, maybe even more since we moved up here to Farmville. That's changing this year. And I'm telling you, half the family is losing their ever-loving mind um, because that tradition has changed. We just don't know what to do. Are we going to gather here? Are we going to gather there? Should we find a place, a a neutral site, you know, because we have people coming in from all across the country? What are we going to do? How is it going to be different? And quite honestly, and probably annoyingly to my wife, um, I'm excited about it, right? Let's see how things go. What can we do differently? What can we preserve in simply being together and connected? But what's going to be different as we shape a new tradition? So I think we have a title for this podcast. We never go into it with the title in mind. Sometimes we don't go into it knowing what we're going to talk about. Um, This is the Entrepreneurial Christmas this is entrepreneurism. And I don't necessarily mean that transactional commerce entrepreneurism. Um, you know, entre- entrepreneur comes from the Latin word entrep, which means into the unknown. And it's this mentality of, um, if you look at, I've, I've failed at seven of eight or nine startups. A couple of them have worked, but that's that's par for the course in entrepreneurism. 90% of, of um, startups fail. And the reason why they fail, the reason why I failed on many of those is I didn't pivot. I got stuck in, I'm a hammer and I'm out in the world looking for my nail, right? I have this idea and I want to make it a reality as opposed to that's not what the market is re- is responding to, or that's not the feedback I'm getting. And the great entrepreneurs like, like Amazon, Jeff Bezos started out just selling books. Mm-hmm. He thought he was a bookstore, an online bookstore. Now it's the everything store. And if he would have just kept going down that path, certainly wouldn't be the Amazon like showing up in my damn house 17 times a day. Amen. But, you know, great entrepreneurs know when to pivot and they hold on to like the essence of the idea, but they make it live. And I just think that that's part of the challenge of modern day religion it's so damn stale. And I know this from firsthand from the Jewish side of things. It's so stuck. It's so dusty. And we guard it. It's like it's become a museum, right? Where, oh, let's go look at how grandma and grandpa used to live. Don't touch, mm-hmm. right? Don't, don't touch. This is just in a museum. We just look and we say, ooh, ah, isn't that wonderful? And then we just leave it behind. That's my riff. Well, uh, bonus notice for, uh, you know, I know Running Man's a big fan of this and many listeners are, but uh, faithful listeners, I do have to point out, you've got two language lessons today from 
the good V, right? Two language lessons, entrepreneurism and uh, uh, Shabbat. Shabbat. Okay. Yeah. So that's two. I don't know. We might be able to get the hat trick and go for three. We'll see here. I'll see if I can set B up. With I, one. I feel but, like it's that um, Eddie Murphy um, skit from Saturday Night Live, Mr. Robinson Neighborson, <laughs> Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Remember that? I totally. do. Totally incorrect, but he would always say, you know, it's like these moments where he pauses and he goes off to the side and has this like, you know, commercial, mm. right? So this is brought to you by. Brought to you by entrepreneurism. Um, that You're right. I mean, I think it's, well, first of all, your entrepreneur spirit, maybe it's uh, the addition of me to your team or it's surely the beautiful Dr. Elise that, you know, we just pivoted last week ago at the Meaning Academy with, you know, your search for meaning. Um, but I can definitely relate. <laughs> I was taking note of all of the coaching and projects I've engaged in since COVID, but maybe even before that, and the different projects I've started and then either pivoted into something completely unrecognizable or just had to say, you know what, that was a good bit of learning and I've got to put that aside for now uh, for a later time. And I think that's the nature of what we're talking about here when it comes to traditions. In changing times, and, you know, we, we, I don't know, we haven't seen such times changing, in, you know, in a long time, right? Because of our technology, we get to make these big changes. We can hold on to what was and try to maintain some of those traditions, but we have to have the flexibility to build new ones. Uh, because without that, I, th I think you're right. Not only does it become stale, it becomes damn stressful, right? It's hard to make everything like it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. It becomes almost idolatrous, actually. I mean, the, the definition of idolatry is making the infinite finite, making the the dynamic static, right? And you can turn anything into an idol, like Christmas shopping. Like that's now synonymous mm -hmm. with with Christmas. But you're if you can't afford it, you're end up working yourself into a hole. Then you have to work more. Then you're stressed. Then you yell at your kids, and then you die early. And that's the Christmas spirit. Right. As opposed to, look, I got to get back to the values. I'm a hold on to those. You know, I, I don't want people to hear me saying be entrepreneurial and like pivot and do your own thing. It's it's get back to the core values that this whole thing set out to do. Hold on to those. But the form doesn't. That's not the point. How you express those values has to work for you. I saw a, a, a post the other day, any holiday that forces you to go into uh, amounts of credit card debt that you can't manage really isn't a holiday. And, you know, that's a that's a responsible choice we have to make. Yeah. Why would you want to do that? Now, again, faithful listener, those of you out there wearing hats, I ask you, please, to celebrate the tradition of a hat trick. That is three language lessons from B today. I don't even think he knew he defined idolatry. Now we did not get the Latin roots of idolatry, but we did get uh, the basics of it. I call that a hat trick. Three goals. All right, all right, one right. It comes from the Hebrew avodazara, which means work. This is like, you're just like, you know, feeding the junkie over here. Right. But, but it's interesting. It's interesting. So it comes from the Hebrew term, two words, avodazara and avodaz work. It's service in the biblical terms, but it's work. And Zara is foreign or it's alien or it's 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 not organic to who we are. And so, you know, idolatry is when you're in that mode of doing. Ah, ding, 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 bringing it home. You're in that mode of doing, but it's taking you further from who you are, not back to who you are. It's not helping you become the new you. It's becoming the true you.
I'm trying to tie it all back together. Well, and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and offer the assist here. Hat trick, for those of you that don't know, is a hockey term where a player scores three goals in one game. Everybody in the crowd takes their hats off, throws it on the ice. Folks, we have a language hat trick here. Please take your hat, throw it at whatever device you're using to listen to this podcast. B scores the first podcast hat trick uh, of, in our history. So I'm very excited to be assisting with that. Running Man is like, please make it the last hat trick. No more hat oh, tricks. He, uh, Running Man loves hockey terms. So uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's very excited right now and hopefully doubled over on the road. Traditions. All right. What what can we encourage? Right. We, we we've committed to in the new year, new new year, new podcast. I don't mean that at all. New year. We want to make sure every podcast ends with some response able action items for our listeners to take with them and engage in. What can they do about tradition? Dr. Frankel tells us that in the absence of instinct, uh, we need tradition. And in the absence of tradition, we need to look to building new traditions. What are some traditions this season we should hold on to? And what are some we need to reinvent? Well, I'll, I'll um, start with not the tradition, but the process of getting to your tradition, which is you talked about kind of doing an accounting, right? Um, this is like spiritual tax season. Not, it's not April 15th, but it's it's like, can I go inwards and look at, you know, which va which values which traditions have lost their rooted values mm -hmm. and which values sort of need are just sitting out there floating ethereal, but need a new form, a mm -hmm. new tradition. Yeah. I think it goes back to what the doctor said here. You know, what, what ought I to do? You know, I, I don't like using the word should because that's just not always healthy, but what ought I to do? What, what can I bring back? What are the things that are healthy for myself, my family and those around me to really work, to engage in, and what needs to be let go of? You know, what can we let go of? Uh, I think spending, we've definitely hit on. Spending extraneous amounts, um, as well as hyper uh, materialism, right? I've talked often, experience over material. Doing things, you know, those people you want to give gifts to, do something with them rather than just give them a piece of material. I think that's very important for health and meaning. And I'll come back to what you said with that health club, because it's kind of stuck in my head as cheesy as it is, but new year, new you, and really thinking about how we can make that, you know, new year, true you. Mm. I don't think it's new. I think it's like a returning to who you are back to when, you know, when you were that kid doing, it's not about not doing. I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't love making, you know, this into some like Zen center, which I tend to do and talk wax poetic about not doing. It's about doing consciously and doing things that fill you up and really just taking an accounting of like, what what's the doing that I want to keep doing and what's the doing that I, I just don't want to perpetuate? Yeah, I think it comes down to meaningful, responsible choices, right? Um, we talk often, you, you have the opportunity to discover meaning in every moment, in every decision we have. And we're confronted with thousands, millions of decisions every day but some really key ones during this season where it comes to loved ones and family and tradition and spirituality, we get to make meaningful choices. But going back to your point, you have to be mindful of it. You have to be aware that you're actually making these choices, not just going through life on autopilot. You have to be present. And I'll end on my side with that word behind you, resilience, because I'm not going to get into the etymology, but the, um, the word is just such a powerful word. And it's back to pivot. I mean, that's essentially what it means is be able to pivot 
I always think of um, water running down a mountain, right? It just finds the path of least resistance and moves and it's fluid. And, and I feel like that's sort of what we need now in these holiday seasons, because it can become really rigid and calcified. And, you know, we, this year, as an example, we, we consciously based on Dr. Dan's wonderful advice, didn't get a single gift for four of our kids over eight days. That's 32 gifts that you saved me from getting. Now, the truth is it's going to cost me more in the long run because we said we're going to buy experience mm -hmm. and we're going to buy experiences all along the way to California and back. And, um, you know, that was us challenging sort of the, the tradition of buying presents and getting back to the values of gift giving. I love that idea. I, I can't wait to hear about it when you guys get back. I have to tell you, um, I can't really disclose the experiences some of my family members will have because they've actually started to listen to the podcast. Um, but afterwards, we will certainly share. But that is definitely what I invested in. And even the material uh, for my youngest, you know, she wants to pick up hiking and backpacking and things. And so, uh, you know, the, the material that she's being given will hopefully contribute to great experiences. In okay. Life. I get to call BS on this one, Michelle and your girls, if they're listening right now, I want you to email me and tell me you're listening because <laughs> my money is on, on that, on those 32 presents I just saved money on. I, my money is ain't none of them going to email me because ain't none of them listening to your podcast. I will t look, you know what? The one that wants the experience that she really wants better email B M you know, I'm talking to you and I know your little team of meeting junkies at uh, Purdue university are certainly listening. So your, no, father's your father's dignity and self-worth is on the line. <laughs> well, let's face it. We all know uh, the lovely Michelle is not listening, even though she popped in on the uh, uh, your search for meaning webinar a few weeks ago, just so she could offer some, for amazing insight and options. Well, in spite of that, we still love you, Dan. So. Thanks, buddy. I Merry love you Christmas. too, man. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I have safe and amazing travels with the family. And to everybody, a meaningful new year. Live your life with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Good. I softballed that up for you. I'm glad you didn't. I've, hey, man, I've been setting up assist for you to get your, uh, your hat trick of language here. So... Uh, <laughs> Have a, Take care, brother, man. Have a meaningful new year. Bye-bye. Take care. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at TheMeaningAcademy.com where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary Meaning Masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.